This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, a Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods, and I'm joined as always by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? Just hanging out. Like I was telling you before we started recording, I can't believe that we are over halfway through July. Um, I'm not ready for summer to be over. The The child in me is like, why is summer almost over? I still want to like go do summery things. Um, also, it's very strange that we're halfway through July and the NBA like finals are happening. And the Olympics are starting. Like, there's so many weird things about this week that I can't even handle. How are you doing? I'm okay. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like bizarre world that we're living in. I want to first off acknowledge the fact. So I'm on a different computer now. And I think that that's a good thing because my previous computer, I think that there was a little bit like of a lag or something like that. Because my, that computer was, it was on its last legs. Let's keep it real. And so it's nice to have better equipment. I'm excited about that. To your point about the time frame of the NBA finals and the Olympics and stuff like that, you know, we're in the midst of hell world, hopefully coming out soon. But, you know, with the, as we were saying off air with this Delta variant, please get vaccinated so we can get this shit behind us. But yeah, it's weird. So like a thing that I was thinking about today is there's so many damn days before each finals or between each finals game. There's like three days between each game. I'm like, what the hell is this? This sucks. And I, th- I thought it was bef- because cause I think game two, maybe, or game three or whatever, they were trying to like dodge the All-Star game, the MLB All-Star game. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I get that. Or, you know, maybe they just don't want to have it on the same night or whatever, which, you know, usually that would never happen because it's July and the finals are usually long over by now. But yeah, like each day or each game, there's like three or four days in between each game. It's so annoying. I don't like it. I wonder if they did it because players just kept getting injured. And they're like, oh, God, we actually should plan for these players. They just like played through playoffs and like they are pretty vulnerable to injuries right now. And they're like, all right, we'll just we'll add an extra day in there for rest. I don't know if it's going to help them very much. Like, I think I'm. Knock on wood, I'm hoping the finals end this week uh, with a bias towards the Bucks. Sure. Like, I am very openly uh, out here cheering for the Bucks. Why? Why, are you, why do you want the Bucks to win? So I like Giannis. Um, in general, I th- I'm just like, oh, what, like, a fun and good player. And I just think he's just so, like, happy. He's, like, the Nikola Jokic of the Midwest, except, like, better, like, I, I can understand that I just like Jokic is a good player, but um, it's like the same energy. Um, 
like Giannis is he's obviously the better player but like he he has the same just like fun he's out there having fun he's being competitive so you like to see that um and then the story of him moving to the U.S. um and like having pretty much nothing and he'd like run to practice across town like he had no car so I'm just like oh yeah I want to root for this team despite so I there's one thing that the Bucks do that I'm like why who signed off on this and this goes for Sacramento too but like when they did their jerseys like the throwback jerseys so the Bucks have these cream city jerseys and the Sacramento Kings have sack town jerseys <laughs> and I'm like yeah. who who said yeah. this was okay um so that's like my one thing against both teams otherwise I will happily cheer for either of those teams unless they're playing against the Nuggets um so here for the box here for Giannis um and then when it comes to Phoenix I'm I'm not gonna cheer for Phoenix I thought I wanted a team out of the west to win it and then Phoenix beat the Nuggets and I was like oh wait I don't I don't care about a team out of the west I don't want this team to win um partially because like one of the Phoenix fans had an altercation with a Nuggets fan and then like the franchise didn't respond in a way that I found appropriate. So it's a lot of my feelings that I'm putting onto them right now, but it's sports. That's the point. I can put my feelings on these teams. Facts. Complete facts. Damn. Damn. Sacramento catching strays. I'm a Kings fan. It's tough. I agree with your point though. This is a culture check after dark. Shout out to cream city and Sacktown. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the Bucks. I'm rooting for the Bucks too. Honestly, I wouldn't have a problem with Phoenix except for Chris Paul. I hate Chris Paul. He's a dirty player. Uh, I hate the way that he plays. I hate dribbling in front of guys and then stopping so to try and draw fouls. He's just like, I can't stand watching him. If it wasn't for him, honestly, yeah, I probably wouldn't care. But I do like Giannis. I, like, I agree with the, the European energy he brings. Um, he just seems like a solid dude, and I think that he's unfairly criticized by people who really don't understand his impact. And I've seen a little bit of the discourse online from stupid people who are talking about like Chris Middleton should be considered for finals MVP. Same energy as people in 15 who said that Iguodala was the MVP of the finals instead of Curry when literally the entire offensive system was based around Curry and he snapped the last three games when they went small and they would have, they would have had zero chance of winning that finals if it wasn't for Curry. He's clearly the MVP it's the same with Giannis. Just because Giannis isn't doing crossovers at the three-point line and step backs, that doesn't mean that his impact hasn't been tremendous. And really something, I know this isn't a sports podcast, but something I've been really impressed by with Giannis in his finals is his passing, especially in the last game. His passing has been outstanding. And he's like making the right decision every time. I think that he just doesn't get enough credit for being a complete offensive player. Yeah, he's bad at free throws, but you know he's still... It's more people just think that he just like runs at the rim and dunks like it's deeper than that. Like he's he has incredible touch. He's uh, added some little turnaround like hook shots to his game. He's a very skilled player. And I think that he doesn't get the credit for the skill that he has. He has a lot of obviously athleticism is a big part of his game. But I just don't think that he gets credit for as much credit as he deserves for the way that he impacts the game. And especially his passing recently, his passing in game five was just really phenomenal. Um, the simple, like the simple passes, but like the right passes every single time and, um, moves the ball really well, which you don't see a lot from, um, from a guy of his size and his athleticism, his touch, his hands, like he's just a really phenomenal player that I don't think 
even gets some of the credit that he should get. So yeah, shout out to Giannis, shout out to the Bucks. I'm also rooting for them. We'll see if they can pull it out. I think so they I can. can slander, so I can slander Chris Paul more. <laughs> you can slander Chris Paul as much as you want. Like, let's be real. He's going to continue to get it because he's going to continue to play like that. And so he's going to deserve the commentary where people are like, could you just like not be a dick? It's horrible to watch. Do you see him shove Giannis midair? Yeah. In that, like, on that dunk? I'm like, okay, calm down. Dirty we player. can all see you. Dirty player. Started when he was hitting guys in the nuts at Wake Forest. Dirty player. <laughs> this is an anti-Chris Paul podcast. <laughs> Anti-Cliff Paul podcast. Oh my gosh. It's horrible. <laughs> let's get into uh let's get into what we're here for though. Let's get into Star Wars. And this is every every first few minutes of every podcast that we do together. It's just a preview for our future sports podcast that we'll do. It's together. true. We keep, it's very we keep true. teasing it. Y'all, the streets will get it soon. Trust me. It's uh, coming. We're, yeah, we're here to talk about the about Star Wars though. Um requisite spoilers. If you're, you know, spoiler warning, we're gonna be talking about Star Wars, the prequels. They came out a long time ago. I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen them. If you haven't, like, what are, like, I get it. Like, the prequels aren't anything to write home about. But, like, let's be real. People who haven't seen Star Wars at this point, like, that is a major piece of American culture. I was talking to a friend this weekend. Um, She's Chinese. She moved here for grad school, and now she works here. And she was like, oh, yeah, like, her, her boyfriend is American. And she's like, yeah, I thought I'd watch Star Wars because, you know, that's American. If you have not seen Star Wars at this point, like, what are you doing, man? Except for the, like, the last movie of the sequel trilogy. We're not there yet, so I won't criticize that. But, like, the prequel trilogy. It's ass. That it, movie. It's so bad. Say it right now. Oh. oh. But yeah, the prequel trilogy came out when Arnold and I were kids. So like, we are adults now. You should have seen these movies, or at well, least think, know the premise. I think you raise an interesting question, though. Maybe we can start there because it's kind of you know this. The context of this conversation is going to be generally about how the prequel movies are bad, right? Like, oh yeah, it's pretty established that they're. Um, you know, directing wise and writing wise and acting wise in most places, it's not a great film series, but you're, you're, you make an interesting point off the top in that basically everyone has seen these movies, right? Even though they're kind of universally known as not being high quality films, basically everyone has seen them. They're still very popular. They made a lot of money. Um, the Phantom Menace, I know I should have pulled this up. I should have this available to me. But, you know, I'm pretty sure made over a billion dollars adjusted for inflation. Um, part of that has to do with the anticipation of the of the series coming back for so long. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But what do you think about, you know, culturally, it's a part of the lexicon, right? It, it's Star Wars in general is. But even though. The, you know, the original series is held in such high esteem. And I think that people generally like even The Force Awakens. Last Jedi is divisive. Um, I really like it a lot, but, um, you know, it's it's pretty well accepted that the prequels are objectively the worst, but yet they're still as quote-unquote popular as the original series because just based off the amount of people that see that that have seen them, I just find that kind of, there's kind of a dissonance there. And I wonder... I don't even know what my question is, but like, 
isn't it kind of weird that it's just like so you say like hey i get it if you haven't seen it but at the same time because like that statement on his face is like i get it because they're so bad but still like so many people have seen it it's it's this thing that's still like a part of the culture even though it's like a part of the culture in like a quote-unquote bad way i just think that's kind of weird do you know what i mean well, I, I get what you're, what you mean and what you're saying. And I think that people saw, like, even though everyone loves to shit on the prequels, we all still saw it because we all enjoyed the original trilogy and we're like, yeah, well, we still have to watch it. It's kind of like, um, to go back to last week where I, we talked a little bit about like the MCU. So like, people are still going to watch movies that are part of the MCU, even if they're like not good because you want some of the details that come from the movies. They like build to the big, like a bigger storyline. Um, I don't know if Phantom Menace really builds to anything. It's like the story of Anakin Skywalker, how he's like this pure, wonderful child. And then somehow this man becomes terrible. Um, But like, I I think there are things that we just like watch as a society, not because we are like, yeah, this is like excellent. This is great. Um, But like Star Wars is such a big part of our culture. And so it's like, yeah, like I'll watch this movie because it, there's kind of the nostalgia that comes from watching it. Like for folks who went and saw the original trilogy when they were kids. And so they went and saw, um, the prequel trilogy or they took their kids and like as a kid did you didn't watch these as a kid did you the prequels yeah i did yeah okay so like as a kid were you like this is fine this is entertaining yeah so to that point when and you're just talking about like i just feel like you and i are kind of like uniquely positioned or people our age are, are uniquely positioned to talk yeah. about this because like you said like people who grew up with it like i'm 32 Right. And you're what, 28, 29, yeah, 28, 28. So like we're too young to have grown up with the original series and like as it was coming out, like we watched it, like everything, our entire experience of Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi is like at least 10 years, 15 years after those movies were released or at least um, Return of the Jedi. And so this was our, this was our version of that. This was our first, you know, time. You know, Phantom Menace came out when I was ten. It came out, I think, in like May of '99. So I was ten, and I remember going to see it in the theater, um, at the theater that I would eventually end up working at. Um, and the first movie that I worked at that theater was Revenge of the Sith uh, when I was sixteen. So I I I I grew up watch. I I remember seeing the first movie when I was a kid. And being like, oh, that was cool. That was fun. It was like, you know, it was action. It's, you know, spacey, blah, blah, blah. That was probably the first Star Wars movie that I actually sat down and watched all the way through. I didn't grow up like watching the Star Wars movies in my house a lot. I think that you had mentioned last uh, in our last episode that you um, your parents were into it. Mine weren't. So I I just saw it as like I, I knew what it was because, again, it's part of the culture. But I didn't have the weight of the expectations of, okay, I'm going to learn how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. And I'm going to see Obi-Wan when he was, you know, in his 20s and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, to me, it was just, you know, I was a 10-year-old kid. It was a space movie. 
there were lightsabers. So I was cool with it. I didn't really know about film criticism when I was in fifth grade or whatever. So to me, it was just like, you know, it was whatever. What about you? Well, I remember my parents took me to go see it and I don't remember their commentary on it. Um, I don't know if that speaks to like what they would say around us or if I was just an oblivious kid, I'm going to go with oblivious kid. Um, but I was like, Oh, this movie's so fun. Um, and it's a little bit more, it feels a little more lighthearted than the original trilogy, which is kind of hard to like go into this with expectations of the, that original trilogy of like, you kind of have this pretty, pretty good storyline and like, it's not that it's like heavy themes. It's just, it's a more serious, they, they, it can be a little more serious. And starting with Phantom Menace, it's just like, man, this kind of feels like it has moments of serious, but it's also like the movie is almost written for kids to be entertained by it. Like, from young like anything that's like young Anakin of course that's what kids are going to identify with is like this 10 11 year old who is just like I just want to like explore the world like yep that's gonna speak to a lot of like young children um and not necessarily like re-watching it I was like oh right like I forgot that his mom is like oh I was just like pregnant I'm like well that like has some real Jesus vibes that I didn't really I was like man I'm sure this made people pissed when this came out again I was it came out in 99 I was six years old I was not reading the news I could barely read um (laughs) (laughs) like we're gonna have a moment of honesty that was like I, I wasn't paying attention to that and so like there are details in it where like it does kind of build up to the rest of like the story but it's like so hidden within this like, I mean, you have a character like Jar Jar Binks who's just kind of like slapstick comedy mm-hmm. within this world. Like he's just a mess. And like as a kid, Jar Jar Binks is great. As an adult, I'm like, what is this character and why is it written like this? And why, like there is no way that like a species this stupid would live on a planet and they would just like kill this character. Um, I like I had so many feelings about this. Um, all this to say, bringing it back in as a kid, loved the movie. As an adult, I'm like, man, what a mess. Well, I think some of the criticisms that you're talking about. First of all, I 100 percent am in. I'm in agreement with you in that I wasn't really aware of the criticism until I became older. Um like even maybe like high school, post high school. And I just, I didn't really pay attention to a lot of film criticism until then, but I wasn't aware of like the problematic issues with the movies. um, And on multiple fronts until I was older. Yeah. And I remember being excited for attack of the clones. Like I remember that, um, that came out in no two. So I was 13 and I remember being, like, excited to see the movie. I wasn't aware of people talking about how shitty Phantom Menace was. Like, that didn't really track for me back then. I think of the criticism of the movies now, and especially a movie like Phantom Menace, where it's just trying to do too much stuff at once in terms of, you know, it's a movie for kids, so it's like there's the cheesy element of it. Which, to be fair, 
there's some cheesy parts of the first Star Wars movie too. You know what I mean? It's not like it's, you know, but it was kind of like over the top cheesy, but then also at the same time, like the movie starts with uh like tax um disputes and like trade tariffs and stuff like that. And it's like, who is this for exactly? Like you have this like really dense plotting about, you know, separatists and um, the trade federation and blah, blah, blah. And the Senate and this like really kind of like dense political theater type stuff mixed with the pod racing and the, the kid who is, you know, has a crush on a 14 year old and this other stuff. Like, I don't know. It's just kind of this mismatch of stuff that ends up if you're older than, you know, 18 or even like if, especially if you're an adult coming into watching this now and you're, you know, you're in your thirties and now you're anticipating the star Wars, like in the, in 1999, right. In 1999, you're like in your thirties or whatever. And you grew up with star Wars and you're anticipating something that you're not getting. And so I could see how people would be like let down by that. Um, and it's like the overly CGI stuff, and which is one of the main reasons George Lucas decided to do it. It was because he had the technology for it to look the way he wanted to, but it's like all blue screen stuff. So I don't know. It's just, it ends up being a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but like none of it really lands. And so I think that that's one of the reasons why the, the criticism was so great, especially of Phantom Menace. Yeah, I agree with that. that- I think that nails it on the head. It's doing too much. It's trying to appeal to new fans and their parents. And it just does not work out. And they kind of get rid of that when they, like, as the, as, like, Attack of the Clones goes on. Like, it's still kind of, it's still fun. Like, I would say the Attack of the Clones is, like, a fun movie that, like, needed more. Mm-hmm. But it also, like, I say that, and there's, like, a lot going on in Attack of the Clones. Like, you have all these different plot lines that, like, end up coming together at the end of the movie. But it's still just... The plot line that we could do without is, like, the Anakin-Padme one. Um, I know Anakin Skywalker is central to every movie in this, like at each trilogy mm-hmm. but like this is one movie where it's just like oh they could have done so much more because you go from phantom menace where you just have this kid who's again he's just like i just want to like go be kind to people and do all these things and then you get to clone wars um and he's just like or attack of the clone sorry um and he's just like complaining all the time and it's just like, Obi-Wan doesn't let me do this. And I'm like, this is like, this takes away from everything else going on in the movie. There's already a lot going on. And then you have this guy out here bitching that he's not an adult. And so other adults are like, hey, this is how you can adult better. So do you feel like, you know, at the end of Phantom Menace, you know, Phantom Menace is about them finding him, right? Yeah. It's about, at the end, the baseline is... You know, you have all the stuff with the the political stuff, but the 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 meat of that movie is that two Jedi meet Anakin Skywalker and 
put him on the path to become what he in, ends up becoming. Yeah. So at the end, at the end of Phantom Menace, like he is, you know, officially Obi Wan's trainee. You know, Padawan. Like he's officially after parts of the movie were like, well, he's too old to start the training or whatever. At the end of it, full stop. Like he is a he's a Jedi learner, right? And so. It's into your earlier point, like he's this, you know, bright, caring boy. There's a line in the movie where he says to his mom, he's like, you always say, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something like, you always say that the problem is that people don't help each other. Like the problem in the galaxy is that people don't help each other or not. Like Darth Vader says that, right? Like that's the, the little boy says that. And then to cut to attack of the clones and he's like petulant and moody and blah 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 so to your point do you feel like there's it we didn't get enough explanation as to why his character has changed so much between those two movies yeah i i think that that's like a big thing of it where there's not enough development of how he came how he changed so much um from one movie to the next and i get like he's a teenager but like you can't just like assume in this world that like all teenagers are just going to be assholes. Like they are like, that's you can suspend your disbelief. Like that's a nice part of watching a movie, right? You don't have to think that all uh, teenagers are going to just be teenagers. And so I, I think it lacks just that character development. Like it would make sense if they kind of showed how he got to be like this, like maybe Obi-Wan really is always just like down on him. But like, if you're just taking it from his perspective, well, of course you're going to feel like someone's always down on you when you're 18 years old and they're, cause they're telling you like, Hey, don't do this, but do this. Like, yeah, that's going to be your natural reaction. But what is the actual like truth of what's going on? Because everyone has their own perspective. I think it's hard for us to put ourselves in his mind. And that's what we try to do with, especially with fantasy characters. I feel like, but we try to put ourselves in their shoes. How would we react if we were gifted this power of this or this, you know, this gift or responsibility, like how would we react? Yeah. And he is someone, I don't know. It's just maybe by virtue of the way that the story is told in that we already know what his end game is, right? We already know where the end of the line for him is in terms of the original trilogy. So I just think it just makes it harder for us to kind of connect the dots to how he became so radically different between the first movie and the second movie. It's almost just like, cause those seeds weren't there from the beginning. Yeah. They were like, he was just a, which is fine. Like from a storytelling perspective, like that's fine if you want to do that, but there just needs to be some kind of more connective tissue between the boy that we leave in Phantom Menace and the, the young person that we see in in attack of the clones and even from attack of the clones to revenge of the sith if anything like at the beginning of revenge of the sith he's a lot more chill than he was right and that he's a lot more like um you know in revenge of the sith it starts off with this big which i love i like respect i like revenge of the sith a lot and part of that is nostalgia because of working at the movie theater but I like. I mean, compared to the first two movies, that's the shit is Citizen Kane. Like, it's uh, way better than the first two movies. <laughs> but the, like the opening space battle of Revenge of the Sith, like the opening dogfight, 
um, like that big set piece, the first 15 minutes ends with, um, you know, he kills Count Dooku. And then in that fight, Obi-Wan had gotten like knocked unconscious and he's like, okay, let's save him. Let's get out of here. And Senator Palpatine's like, no, leave him. So in Attack of the Clones, he's like mad about having to go. He has to be convinced to save Obi-Wan. But in at the beginning of this movie, he's just like, I'm not leaving him behind. Like he's he, he's his line is literally like his fate will be the same as ours, meaning like I'm not leaving him behind. So like obviously, like maybe part of that is growth, uh, maturing or whatever. I don't know how much time has passed between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, but he's a pretty radically different person at the beginning of that movie to the point where it's just like, how did you so easily, you know, I would have. If he were more like the Attack of the Clones Anakin in Revenge of the Sith, it would have made more sense for him to turn as quickly as he did. But I feel like he had matured so much at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith that when he eventually becomes Darth Vader, I'm just kind of like, where did this even come from? You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. It's like there wasn't any type of like thought put into him eventually getting there. Like, what is the journey for someone to become... Darth Vader like they start out like most children just like kind and nice like they're just out here living life doing the best they can and like yes everyone has some angst but like do do most people have enough angst that they would like basically be like we need to control everything like do they all want to become like fascist rulers no not not exactly and so like I, I've heard from friends that like Clone Wars, the TV show kind of like fleshes it out more in terms of like what's going on in between all these movies to make it make sense. Um, I've not watched it, so I just like don't know. But I I feel like because we already knew like what was going to happen to Anakin, it's just like, well, we, we can just give him whatever story kind of fits into what's going on around him as opposed to being like, okay, this is what's happening to Anakin to get him from A to B. And here are the other things that happen to be going on because of course there's still the politics of star Wars that, and like how do those kind of like shape what he's thinking? And you can kind of see it in, um, Attack of the Clones when he's like, oh, we should just like tell people how to live. Like you can see that he's about to be like a little unhinged. Yeah. But like then it doesn't come up again. (laughs) It's like, oh, who wrote this? Please just like consistency. A to B. It's fine. Have you seen that meme that's popped up? Yes. Recently (laughs) with them from Attack of the Clones. That's crazy. (laughs) That's just like. I think I saw that for the first time like two weeks ago or something like that. I'm just like, it just completely blew up. It's really wild. Uh, the fascist leanings that, that started in that field on Naboo. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, it's so one of the things that I um, wanted to do in this conversation, I have it in the outline, but like, so I don't want to talk, I don't want to spend, we, we've talked about, a lot of the issues with these movies yeah, and these issues are well documented um, by numerous magazine articles, podcasts, whatever you want to say. What do, let's talk about some stuff that we feel like works in the movies. Like some of I, cause I try to, at this point, um, the last time I rewatched all of them at once, I didn't get a chance to do that before we started recording, but I remember 
it was a few years ago and I like sat down and watched the prequels. I watched the entire series. I watched the prequels in the original trilogy. Um, but what are some of the things that you, I remember like when I was rewatching it a couple years ago, I was trying to find the good. Yeah. Like what, you know, what I was just trying to search for what's working, like what does work in these movies. And maybe it's like not a lot, especially in the first two, but like, what are some of the things that you feel like work? Um, let's even maybe start with the first, like with Phantom Menace. So like rewatching um, and kind of looking at these movies, like, okay, what, obviously we're going to talk about the movies and we can't just spend an hour shitting on them, but like, okay, they, they had a purpose and they did serve a purpose and they moved the story forward. I think that they, and like starting with Phantom Menace where they kind of introduced like all the Jedi it throughout the entire prequels, they kind of like, they're like, this is what the Jedi do. And like each trilogy set, I feel like paints the Jedi differently. And this is the first time I've like watched the prequels. And I'm like, man, the Jedi are space cops and they kind of like, I don't know if I, agree with their motives like they just do things because they can not because like they're like yeah this we decide that this is good and this is wrong like that seems arbitrary i don't love that i mean lots of rules are pretty arbitrary in society but like um i i do think that they are like their story is put together well in these prequel movies just to kind of set them up and like how it would be like, it's almost understandable that Anakin would be like, no, like, you're kind of, like, you almost get some of his rage. Not all of it where you just, like, kill everyone, but, like, you kind of understand why he's annoyed by them and how, like, they're just like, well, we won't do this, but we will do that, like, all of these things. And, like, don't feel, like, anger and, like, hate, but, like, it's limiting to not feel your full range of emotions. And then, like, Anakin wants to feel all these things he feels these things and i th- i think that like oddly these movies do a good job of exploring emotions where it's like yeah if you don't ex- if you don't lean into like what you're feeling you can't just be like well i'm really unhappy like his mother dies he can't just be like yeah i'm really unhappy and i'm not going to do anything about it like most of us are going to wig out and like the the jedi council i think does not respond appropriately and it so it kind of shows how structure or people in power not with like any nefarious like motives but they still like respond in a way that like kind of ignites a negative chain reaction and so i think that is like put together well in these movies so that's that part i think is i would i agree with you i just wish that it had been i feel like it would connect more if you had had a character like an Obi-Wan or a yeah. Yoda or somebody at the end of the trilogy be like, kind of explain how they fucked up in terms of, we didn't let this person, that's like the fundamental issue with the Jedi. That's the fundamental issue with what's going on with Anakin, why he turns is because they don't let him be a human. They don't let him feel, they don't let him emote. And he is being taught don't emote. Don't don't attach yourself to anyone or anything. Don't, um, you know, don't be angry. Don't be afraid. Don't. 
be frustrated, which these are human emotions, like you said, right? And if at the end of the prequels, we had a character, again, like an Obi-Wan or a Yoda or somebody say, like, maybe we should rethink our philosophy. Maybe we should let our, the people that we're training, that we're indoctrinating into this, you know, religion slash um, lifestyle slash whatever, be people and connect with their feelings and like really dig into what they're feeling and why they're feeling it. And if we allow people to be themselves while also teaching them about the force and how it binds things together and blah, 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 maybe we can prevent things like this from happening where you have this super powerful, you know, unnaturally strong person uh, who wasn't allowed to express himself. And you see that also with Kylo Ren a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, in the in the sequel trilogy but like if we if we allow these people to um feel human emotions maybe they'll be more maybe they'll be less likely to plunge themselves into um a doctrine that's just like only only about um you know using your use using your power for power for for gain or whatever for selfish motives i don't know i feel because i feel like you're right the series does teach that um constricting people and 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 not allowing them to to feel and and to express themselves and feel how they're feeling is that's a negative thing it's going to lead to negative outcomes right and at least the most extreme negative outcome possible with someone becoming a darth vader but it would just would I feel like that point would have hit home better if the the people in the Jedi Order had had some recognition of that and could have um, acknowledged that and maybe tried to like verbalize. Um, you don't have to say like this is why he failed, but maybe you can have someone at the end be like, maybe we should rethink what our what our philosophy is. But do you think that any institution that or group or basically they're a cult? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, like, do you think anyone would have that awareness where they'd be like, oh, like the cause of this was because we're restrictive because right. they're always like, no, you, you're feeling all of these like quote unquote negative feelings. I don't think that like feeling angry or frustrated, like those aren't negative feelings. They're just feelings that we have. And if they, I don't know if they would have seen immediately by the end of like this trilogy, like I just don't see it at the end of Revenge of the Sith, them being like, oh, yes, we have the awareness to know that like we caused this. We right. should not have been so restrictive. We should not have told Anakin like don't be angry and don't love people. Um, like, I I don't know. I don't I think it takes time and reflection for anyone to be like, oh, what I said and did was wrong and hurt people. And this is what I would change about it. But I think that in, like, the original trilogy, not that, like, what's done is done in terms of how things were written, there's the opportunity to be like, oh, yeah, like, this is what we could have done. So two things on that point. The first thing is that I think that they touch on that a little bit in The Last Jedi with someone like Luke being, like, the legacy of the Jedi is failure. I would even say that he doesn't even go far enough though in that movie to because yeah. he doesn't like acknowledge that this like warrior monk 
uh, philosophy that they have that's so constrictive. Like he, even he doesn't acknowledge that as a reason for the fall of Darth Vader or for the reasoning of the Jedi. He mostly talks about how blind they were, how they couldn't see the dark side growing up amongst them and, and taking control of the of the political structure, which I also agree with. But like, I would so there's a little bit of that there, but it even doesn't go far enough. The second thing I would say in terms of like who within the institution can kind of or within that institution specifically kind of rise up to be like maybe we're not doing things the right way. I want to shout out Binge Mode Star Wars for this because they they had this opinion and I agree with it. The one person, especially in Phantom Menace, is Qui-Gon. Yeah. Qui-Gon Jinn is like the rebel and he gets killed off, but you wonder what would have happened if he were able to continue on in the story because Qui-Gon is the one who is like, the Jedi Council tells him the boy's too old to be trained. He's surrounded by the dark side. He's too old. Like he can't be, he can't be trained. And Qui-Gon's response is basically like, fuck you, I'm still going to do it. Like, yeah. I'm going to train him. Like, I don't care what your, what your opinion is. Like, I'm still going to train him. He's the one. And, you know, they're unsure of if, if he's the one who's, you know, that the prophecy said will bring balance to the force. And they're unsure if it's him or not. They're like, yeah, he's strong. But like, I don't know if it's him or not. And Qui-Gon's like, no, it's him. He's the one. Like, I know it's him. It's the force that willed us to meet the boy. Like, he's the one. And his dying breath, he tells Obi-Wan, like, train him. Train the boy. Um, so he at least showed some sort of rebellion against, like, the the restrictiveness of the Jedi. And so I wonder if if he had been allowed to continue on in the story, if he had, if he were able to maybe push the Jedi forward even more. And I know, like, I haven't seen Clone Wars or any of the animated series like you have, or like you haven't, like neither of us have seen it. But I do know that like um, the main, one of the main figures in the animated series, Ahsoka is pushed to the limit where she like ends up leaving the Jedi order because of the restrictions in it. And she's still like a person who's like on the quote unquote light side of the force. But the institution of the Jedi becomes such that she doesn't agree with and she ends up leaving. So I feel like there there would be room for more of that, um, if possible. But in the context of the of the main series, yeah, I feel like they killed off the only character who could have like potentially challenged it, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. Which, at least, like they had him in there. He helped. Like Quion was a, a character that did help progress, like progress that whole movie. Um, and not just because it's like Liam Neeson, but because like it's a character that has a presence and like makes a statement and is talked about for the in the next movie. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like if he had not been killed off, like I I think he still could have like been part of it and ch- continue to challenge the Jedi, and we still could have seen Anakin um, become Darth Vader. I mean, obviously it's going to happen, but like they could have really like leaned on him to bring to light some of the issues, which I guess if you read between the lines, you can see the issues of the Jedi. But if you're not actively like thinking about it and you're again, you're going in watching these movies as a fan of the 
original trilogy and you're like, oh, like the Jedi are just so like beaten down and like they're hard on their luck and it's been a tough time. Well, like they did this to themselves. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, they could have prevented this. They could have not been like semi-elitist and been like, yeah, they could have been like, yeah, well, we we can evolve. We can grow. They were like, no, we're going to stay stuck in the same ways that we've been in. And then when we fall apart, we're not going to blame ourselves. We're going to blame anyone but ourselves. That's another thing that I think that, again, I connect with The Last Jedi with, where he's like, he asked Ray, like, what is, you know, what is the force? And she's like, it allows you to, like, pick up rocks and move stuff and blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, no. And he's just like, the force belongs to everyone. And to say that if the Jedi don't exist, then the light won't exist is vanity. And there were people who were like mad about that, but like I agree with that, where it's like you don't have to be within that institution that's so restrictive in order to, you know, have a connection to the force or use the force or believe in the force or whatever else. So, you know, maybe there's an organization that comes along that's not the Jedi, but still um encourages the force or, you know, trying to tap into it or or whatever else it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it, a lot of the stuff seems so obvious too, right? Like it seems so yeah. obvious that your philosophy is like hindering people. And if you come up with someone with the, with the right or wrong, depending on how you look at it, personality, it's going to blow up in your face, which is basically, you know, what happened with the, with the Anakin situation. Um, a thing that I do like about Phantom Menace is the um the journey to find him i guess like the 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 this idea of you know you're you're on a journey to do something else right like obi-wan and um qui-gon are like dispensed as basically as you said like space cops to like help out with this trade federation thing but like on their way they meet this boy who kind of changes their trajectory i do like that just like as a storytelling thing, I do like that. And then like the lightsaber battles, those are dope. And Phantom Menace, those are really good. So we we said something nice, y'all. We're saying we're keeping it positive too at the same time. We can do it. And, and there are positive things to be said about the prequel trilogies. There are like nuggets of good things in them. Like we yeah. have touched on not even all of them. But I... I I think it's just so easy because expectation and reality met when these came out and it was disappointing. I'm like, if we didn't have the original trilogy and these movies came out, people would have still been into them and they might not have been so judgy towards them because they had no expectations. They would have just been like, whoa, space. And it's kind of like Dune, but more fun. Yeah, when you remove the context, it's like, you know, just take it for what it is. Try not to, like, have the weight of the stuff that came before it and try to, like, accept it for what it is. And it's still flaws, right? There's still flaws yeah. in the movie in terms of, like, dialogue and all that type of stuff. But there's still some cool stuff in there. There's And even in Attack of the Clones, I feel like there's some, like... There's some vibes in there, especially in like the first part of the movie where it's like the kind of like noir mystery type. Yeah. Where they're trying to like figure out, you know, who's trying to kill Queen Amidala, even though it's like pretty obvious. It's pretty 
And she even says literally in the first, like, hey, maybe this guy who used to be a Jedi but is leading the Separatists, maybe it's him. And they're like, no, it can't be him. It's like, y'all are dumb. Of course it's him. <laughs> um, but there's so, in terms of them, like, trying to, like, investigate what's going on, I think that type of stuff is cool. I like, like, the detective aspect of it, um, which you don't really get enough of, in my opinion, in Attack of the Clones. But, like, that type of stuff, like, they're going into a nightclub and they're, like, um, flying through Coruscant and, like, I don't know. There's kind of, it's kind of like Blade Runner E, that part of it. Like, I thought, you know, that type of thing is cool. Um, and then Revenge of the Sith, I just like as a movie. I just think it is, um, the plot is, is solid. The action scenes are good. It's way better acted for like 70% yes. of the movie. Like, yep. it's just a lot better. So that's a solid movie. It, it is a, it's definitely the best one of the three. And it moves right along. It gets the story out there and it makes sense. Like overall, the, the movie makes sense and is like a good movie to watch. Do you remember when you saw um, Revenge of the Sith? Um, I think so. It came out when I was. Ugh, I don't even I wasn't even in high school yet. It came out in 2005. I was in middle school. I remember really wanting to go see it. And my parents were like, we're not sure because it might be violent. Um, which, whatever. I, I'm like, that shouldn't have been. I mean, that is a very big concern for parents. I'm not like saying that that's not. But I'm like, okay, well, I want to see this movie. So I was very excited about it. I think I did not fully appreciate what it was and what was happening in it. Um I was also about to turn 12. So I would like to pin my stupidity on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like. It. Oh, yeah. Like as a movie, I'm like, man, it's it's like entertaining at the time. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, this one's like the better movie. It has a good story. It's not as. It doesn't feel like it's trying as hard as the other two where the first one, it's like, oh, we're trying to be fun and we're trying to be this and we're trying to be that and tell the story also. And then the next one, it's like, oh, we're trying to tell you that like Anakin is just a horn dog the whole movie. And you're like, thank you. Like, <laughs> yeah, we couldn't guess that from a teenage man. Yeah, I think we got it. Um, Even in space, you know. Yeah, it, it happens, but it just is like, <laughs> it's so cringy yeah so like that that like takes away from it where it's like oh i didn't like sign up to watch this um so then finally like in revenge of the sith they kind of like get the action right they get the um interpersonal relationships a little bit better and like it overall just it comes together a lot nicer um i get as a kid i was like oh this is what happens. All right. This is how Anakin becomes Darth Vader. Um, I think I probably went home and watched a new hope and was like, okay, I'm just going to watch this again instead. Mm-hmm. So, and you, cause you were working at the movie theater. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> so that movie came out in May of Oh five. And I started like, I think it came out in like the twin, like May 20 something of 05. I don't know that off the top of my head, but I think that's when I know it was sometime in May. 
And my first day was June 4th of 2005. I don't remember. I don't know how I remember that day specifically, but I know it was June 4th. And um, I saw the movie like a week before I started working at the theater. Like I saw it at that theater. I saw all three movies at that theater, um, all three prequel movies. And I went with a bunch of my friends and the theater was full and it was fun. It was a fun time. I remember really liking it. Um, I remember, like I said before, like the opening dogfight was just like really cool to see. And the movie theater I worked at, it was a, um, it wasn't a multiplex. It was just like one big screen. So we showed one movie at a time and the screen was like really giant. So seeing it on that giant screen was really dope. And I remember talking about it with my friends at school who had seen the movie. So like that was the days too, where it's like when you're 15, 16, like if you're not drinking or whatever, if you're not partying, like what we did was just go to movies. Like we went to the movies all the time. So um, my group of friends, I remember talking about it with them a lot and then like being excited to like start working at the theater and, um, I saw it a bunch because I would like sit in the back and watch it um, a lot of times when I was working. So I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed um, kind of connecting the dots of the first movie. I that by that point I had I'm pretty sure I'd seen the first movie and I at least knew what happened. So to see it, you know, see the mask click on his face for the first time and hear the the Darth Vader breathing and um, that was pretty cool, you know. Yeah. But to see that, you know, the also the last the last lightsaber battle, super dope. It was really far, good. Yeah. Super, super dope. Really like that. It's a very exciting one, that's for sure. It kind of it is its own thing while also being as fun as like the original trilogy when it came to the lightsaber battles. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. So really, really enjoyed that. It's very good. Um, do you have any final thoughts on the prequel trilogy of Star Wars? My last thought would be basically kind of what we were talking about earlier. I might want to go. I know it's, I don't know. I just have to car, carve out time to do it. But I do want to watch the Clone Wars and Rebels to kind of fill in the dots. Yeah. Between, fill in the blanks between um, the prequels and um what's going on kind of like the on the periphery i feel like it might add some character development like you said so it's one of those things that's just like in the back of my mind is something that i want to do eventually i feel like it'll maybe make the make the story a little better yeah that's definitely that's definitely what i've heard I've, and i like i want to do it just to also fully flesh out those prequel movies but it's got to be as engaging as the Mandalorian because there are too many other good things that are on yeah. Disney plus. <laughs> are we going to, we're going to do an episode about the Mandalorian, right? Oh yeah. Okay. We'll save, we'll save our thoughts for that, but yeah, that'll be a good one. It'll be fun. It's it, like, it's a show I'm very excited about and I hope that they continue to make like good, good shows like that. But definitely uh, before we get to the Mandalorian, we'll be talking about the, sequel trilogy um next week which you know get excited well you know i like the exercise of like say something nice yeah <laughs> about it um i don't know if i can say too many nice things about 
the last one, but no, I don't know if anyone can. I take that back. There are people that I've met that are like, and when JT came on, he was like, he likes it, but like, yeah, yeah. There's a handful of people in life who were like, this is good. I'm like, man, I just don't see it. Like, make it make sense. Yeah, literally. <laughs> we'll we'll get to it next week. But thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>